0: Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. This Friday is Good Friday, so join us, 7 p.m. We're going to have communion, reflection, and, uh, and worship as we talk about the way of the garden, and we focus on Jesus there in the garden of Gethsemane, and then join us Easter Sunday, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., in person, online, as we celebrate Jesus, our waymaker. Anybody excited for that? Amen. Amen. So uh, today we're going to talk about the way of the table. And so I just want to give a heads up, those watching online, go ahead and grab uh, a cracker or something like that to represent the bread. Grab some juice if you have it or uh, even something to symbolize, symbolize because at the end we're gonna do uh, communion together. So I wanna encourage you with that. You know, when I think of the table, the way of the table, I can't help but think about all the fun times that we've had at at family meals and and, uh, times around the dinner table. I don't know about you, if you're like my family, we value the family table. Not just at Thanksgiving and Christmas and holidays like that, that's a lot of fun. Sometimes afterwards we end up playing games like Uno and things around the table. We laugh and we have a great time. But one of the things that's important for our family is we have a regular rhythm that we really, even still now as our kids have gotten older, uh, try to follow, and that is to have family meals together. I think that's something that's a lost value in our society. Among all of the, the busyness from here to there and the schedules, it's so difficult sometimes to have meals together as a family. And sometimes you find everybody just takes their plate or whatever they made and goes in another room, turns on the TV, or has a screen in front of them. And I've got to tell you that that is there, there's something lost when you don't have that as a value. For me and our family, we have found there's great value. There are times where we meet around the table and we laugh and we just enjoy a good time just in each other's presence. There are other times where there's a conflict, there's something that's going on and it's actually coming to the table and being around the table that allows us to be able to work through some of those difficult things within our relationship. Then there are other times that I find are really key discipleship moments times where we're talking about our day. What happened in your day? What happened today? And they lead to some great conversations about things that are happening in the news or relationships with friends or different things like that. The table is a powerful thing. In fact, I think it's one of the most underutilized or underrecognized areas in all of Scripture. Because you know in the Old Testament, God had renewed a covenant with Abraham at a table. In Genesis chapter 18, and we see one of the pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. ...along with two other angels of the Lord. they servants that are walking by, and Abraham recognizes this isn't ordinary people. There, there's something to this, and so he invi- invites them to stop and to have a meal together. Genesis chapter 18, starting in verse 3, says this. Abraham said, "'If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by.'" Uh, let, let a little water be brought, then wash all your feet and the rest under this tree, and let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. And so what we find is, is that Abraham invites them, hey, don't keep going, let's sit down, let's have a meal together. And you know that in that meal, that's when God spoke. And he renewed and and, and said, my promise to you that you're going to have a is going to be fulfilled. In fact, so in, in Genesis 18:10, then one of them said, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. The very thing Abraham had been waiting for, that covenant promise got renewed at a table, got renewed when they had a meal together. And again, throughout Scripture, we see the Passover. That was another time, again, and that's where we celebrate communion. We're going to talk a little bit about it. But the Passover, this like 4th of July celebration that they would remember year after year after year, it it represented the blood over the doorposts when, when the last plague had come against Egypt. And when God had delivered his people out of their bondage, out of their captivity, and set them free. And so what rhythm did he establish annually for them to be able to remember? A Passover meal to come to the table. And in Psalm chapter 23 and verse 5, the psalmist wrote this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. There is something very powerful about the table. And as we approach the New Testament here, we come to John chapter 13, and we see the symbolism of the table. It is the season of Passover, and Jesus gathers His disciples and tells them to make preparation because He's looking forward to eating the Passover meal with them. Little did they know that He was about to establish a new covenant. He was about to symbolize something that would take place in His own death, burial, and resurrection, something that would happen at the cross, something that would happen through his sacrifice, and it was about to happen at the table, where rather than a lamb, he would become the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so he gathers them around, and in John chapter 13, he begins to discuss with them, have a meaningful discussion with them. Let's, let's lean into their conversation for a moment around the table, starting in verse 18. I'm not referring to all of you, I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread is turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Notice those words, I am who I am. Remember in the Old Testament when that was spoken, when Moses said, God, what is your name? Who should I tell them to send me? I am that I am. I am who I am. You see, Jesus is saying, I am fully God. I am fully God, I'm not just a prophet, I'm not just a good teacher, I am fully God. But then look what happens next. He, he, says, he says, very truly, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. And after he had said this, look at Jesus was troubled in his spirit. Friends, this demonstrates the humanity side of Jesus. In this one passage, we have the side in which he is fully God, but we have the side in which he is fully man, very troubled in his spirit. And and he testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which he meant. See, there's a somber mood. Although this is a time of celebration, what Jesus is sharing with them around the table brings a somber mood. For he is saying, listen, my spirit is troubled and there is someone who sits at this table to fulfill all scripture who is going to betray me. They didn't understand what was going on. It was no secret that there were tensions between he and the religious leaders. It was no secret that they were jealous of the following that was taking place. And yet they couldn't understand what Jesus was telling them, nor what he was about to do. And in John 13, 23, it says, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? They all wanted to know, who is it? Who is it? They didn't know it was Judas. In fact, even after this, we'll see they didn't recognize that. Jesus answered, it's the one in whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread in the dish, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as he gave it to Judas, uh, Satan entered him. Judas took the bread. Satan entered into him. And Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly but no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. They didn't understand what was going on. And since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy bread for what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. And as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Friend, something that's very key is to understand it was night. John talks about Jesus as the light, and throughout the book of John, you will see that oftentimes Jesus as the light is against the backdrop of night, against the backdrop of darkness, whether it's Nicodemus coming in the middle of the night and asking questions and Jesus saying, you must be born again. Or whether it's here in this passage, we see that amidst the darkness, Jesus is beginning. Amidst the moon that is so somber, Jesus is beginning to give a picture of something powerful about who he invites to the table. And today, we're going to look at four. We can't look at all 12, but I want to look at four of who were invited to the table. And it's there that we're going to learn today who Jesus invites in the way of the table to join him. The first is this, the one who loves Jesus John 13, 23 describes the disciple who loved Jesus, the one who was sitting next to him, the one who leaned in against him to ask, who is it that's going to betray you? Now friends, we know that this is John, the one who wrote this gospel. John was somebody that was very close to Jesus. Not only was he just one of the 12, but he was also one of three that Jesus gave extra opportunities to. He gave extra access to his life to. In fact, one of those times was at the Mount of Transfiguration where he brings John and he brings James and he brings Peter with him and there's a revelation of who he is along with Elijah and along with Moses and John has an opportunity to see this but beyond just that there was an intimacy that John had even among the three in which he had a proximity that was closer to Jesus in fact, what we see with John is later on during his trial that when all of the other disciples kind of flee, John is the one who's hanging around. He's there at the trial, and he's there at the cross. He's there when Jesus says to his mother, Mary, Mary, behold your son, and, 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 and John, behold your mother. In other words, take care of my mom. It was because John was there in close proximity there was a closeness that john had with jesus and he loved jesus and jesus loved him friends i want you to know that the people that are invited to the table are people whom jesus loves and and whom jesus loves them friends oftentimes i think that when we have a relationship with jesus and we say i love jesus man jesus has loved me i love jesus I think at times we can lose the wonder of that. Sometimes when we come to the table, as we're going to talk about, I think that sometimes we can forget just how awesome that is that we've been invited to the table to be in the very presence of the king. I think that sometimes we lose that awe, that sense of wonder that that we have been loved by Jesus and that because we have been loved by him, we love him. I think sometimes we forget, and, and, and John wrote this later on in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. And I think the challenge is, is that when we've been loved by Jesus for so long, or we've loved Jesus for so long, we forget about the grace that's been extended to us. And sometimes we think, well, Jesus loves me because, well, I serve him. I come every week, or I read my Bible, or you know what, I give and I serve. I serve in kids ministry, which is very important, by the way. I serve in the nursery, also very important. Important, right? I'm on the worship team every week. Ooh, you know, I'm I'm very spiritual, so Jesus loves me, and we forget, and we think that sometimes it might be because of the things that we do, and we forget that the only reason that we love him is because he first loved us. Yeah. Yeah. Let me remind you this morning that we are not loved by Jesus because we are more holy than anyone else. We are loved by Jesus because of his grace. And because of his invitation, we love Jesus because he first loved us. You see, John was sitting right next to Jesus at his very presence. And you see, you and I, because we have been loved by Jesus, he invites us to sit in his presence. The table represents a proximity of closeness to his presence. Secondly... The next type of person is the one who questions Jesus. And although he's not specifically named in the passage we read, there is someone who has a nickname. His nickname is Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Thomas was one of the disciples, and he had a lot of questions. Again, we don't see his name present, but he had a lot of questions. And, and when Jesus had appeared to the disciples just a, 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 a few days earlier after the resurrection, Thomas wasn't there. And the disciples told him about it, but he didn't believe it. Look at John 20, 25. So the other disciple told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe and what we learned from Thomas, who was invited to the table, is that for those of you that have doubts and questions, there's room for you at the table. For those of you with doubts and questions, Jesus invites you to the table. You see, before the resurrection, Thomas was a follower of Jesus. In fact, he kind of gets a little bit of a bad reputation. How many of have ever had something happen to you and you got a nickname out of it? One time he doubts Jesus and he, all of a sudden he gets a nickname, Doubting Thomas. I mean, that's just not fair. But this doubting happened after Jesus had been crucified. What that means is, is that Thomas had put his faith in Jesus at one point in Scripture. He said, I'll follow you like the rest to death. I'll follow you to death. But you see, Thomas had an expectation of what Jesus was going to do with the Messiah. And when it didn't happen, his world came down. How many of you have ever expected Jesus to do something in your life, to do something for you, to heal you, or to to, to do something in your kid's life, or to do something in your finances, and it didn't happen the way you thought? And now you're kind of disenfranchised. How can I believe in a God like that? How can I do that? And you have questions. Let me encourage you. What the table tells us, the way of the table says that there is room for you. If you have questions, Jesus invites you to the table. Why is that so important? Because after the resurrection, there were two of Jesus' disciples, and, and they're not the one of the 12, but they're called disciples and followers. They were disenfranchised and couldn't figure out what had happened again with the cross and, and, and the, the arrest and what had happened. They heard about the women's testimony, that, The tomb was empty. They couldn't make sense. So what did they do? They left Jerusalem. They're walking on a road called the Emmaus Road, and they're talking amongst themselves about everything that had happened over the weekend. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and it says they didn't recognize him. How many know sometimes when we're in questions, when we have questions and doubts, we don't recognize Jesus? And he walks right alongside of them. And he begins to ask them what they're talking about. And they say, are you the only one that, that doesn't know all these things that have happened? What's wrong with you? You didn't turn on Jerusalem NBC? What's wrong with you? You don't know? This is all over the news. This is what everybody's talking about. And so it says that Jesus began to explain to them, starting with the prophets and starting with the Old Testament, and begins to explain every scripture concerning himself, And then what happens is, is that that Jesus begins to to move towards them. Jesus begins to to move uh, in in that direction as if he's leaving. They're stopping for the night to eat and, and, and for a break. Jesus pretends he's going on and they invite him to stay. No, stay, stay. And look what happens. Luke 24, 30 and 32. When he was at the table with them, look at this, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it. What is that? whoa. What, where, where does that bring them back to? That brings them back to John chapter 13. That brings them back to the table. And it says he broke them and began to give it to them. And look what happened. Their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? You see what happens, friends? Jesus, when you have questions, when you don't understand, Jesus invites you to the table, and it's there at the table that he begins to unlock your understanding, and he begins to help you with your questions. He provides that. The bread of life will provide what you need for the doubts and questions that you have. Friends, there's room for you at the table if you have questions. Thirdly, the one who denies Jesus and again, we know at the table next to John was Peter. John 13, 24, Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask, ask him which one he means. Jesus said, somebody's gonna betray him. Hey, you, you're nearby. John, John, you ask him. Ask him, what does he mean? Who's gonna betray you? Peter was another of the inner circle. And during that same evening, Jesus tells Peter, you know what, Peter? You're gonna deny knowing me. Three times, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny knowing me. And Peter says, not me, Lord not me, not going to happen Satan is asked to sift you like wheat, not me Lord not me in John 13 38, Jesus answered will you really lay down your life for me for very truly before the rooster crows you will disown me three times and you know what happened the next morning there is Peter following John, John gets him in and and Jesus has been arrested and he's on trial and, and Peter comes into the outer court and as John's getting him in the servant who's letting him by the door servant says to him, you're one of his disciples aren't you, no not me I don't know the man, not me. He comes in and there's a fire that's burning. It says that there's burning coals that are there. And while he's around the fire warming himself while the trial is going on, another comes up and says, I know, you were, you were with him. You have that Galilean accent. You're, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? No, not me, not me. And yet a third time someone questions, no, not me. And Peter denies knowing Jesus. But friends, that's not the end of the story. That when the rooster crowed in that moment when Peter recognized, whoa, I just did what Jesus had said I would do. Before the rooster crows that moment, I failed. You ever feel like you failed? You ever feel like you you haven't measured up? You ever feel like the guilt and the shame of sinning against the Lord? The guilt and the shame that, that accompanies that? That's Peter. Following the resurrection, John chapter 21, Peter and the guys go out fishing again. That's what they love to do. That's what they did before, and they went out doing what they know how to do. And the scripture says that Jesus came up to the shore... And just like he had done earlier in their lives, they hadn't caught anything all night. And he said, throw your nets to the other side. And so they did. And all of a sudden, there was this huge load of fish. And Peter recognizes it's the Lord because there was something early on in his life that Jesus did. And he says, that's Jesus. I know what this is. That's Jesus. And he, he, he jumps out of the boat, and he makes his way, and they all make their way to shore. And look what happens. John 21, starting in verse 9. When they landed, they saw fire, a fire of burning coals there with fish on it. And some bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come, look at this, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, took the bread. Look what he's doing, took the bread, and gave it to them. And the same with the fish. What's he doing? He's bringing them back, what, to the table. He's bringing Peter back to the table. You know why this is so important? Something that we might miss in this story. Just a little thing that we might miss. The fire that Jesus had made had burning coals to it. There were burning coals to the fire. And the way that, that it's written is very similar. And the only other place that it's written the same way is John 18, 18. Just a few chapters earlier. And that's the moment where there was the burning coals in the courtyard. How many of you know that our senses can bring us back in a moment to something that happened in our lives? The smell of the burning coals to Peter might have had him go back to that time when he had denied knowing Jesus three times. The time of his failure, the time of his shame, the time of his guilt. But now, here was Jesus inviting them onto the shore with a fire with the burning coals. Because what he was about to do is he was about to rewrite Peter's story. That no longer, when he smelled the burning coals, would he think of failure. No, instead, he asked him, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And what does Jesus say? Feed my sheep. Three times, three times, why? Why does it three times? Because what he's saying is, Peter, when you smell the burning fire and the coals, I don't want you to think of your failure and your shame, but I'm inviting you to the table where you will experience my grace and my forgiveness and my restoration. I'm about to change that sense so that when you smell that, you're gonna remember my restoration, you're gonna remember my love, you're gonna remember my grace. Write three questions of do you love me for three denials. Why? Because Jesus will give the equivalent amount of grace and forgiveness for our failures. The very table of communion was the very day of Passover. The rhythm of Passover was to remember that it was God who had set them free. It was God who had taken away their shame as slaves. It was God who had given them a new identity as his people. And so, friends, today we're invited to the table. If you struggle with failure and you struggle with shame and you struggle with guilt, I want you to know that there is love and there is grace and there's an invitation to the table today because Jesus wants to offer you forgiveness today forgiveness today fourth type of person the one who betrays jesus we all know who this is right judas 30 pieces of silver and i don't know about you this is the one i struggle with the most jesus knowing that judas would betray him that's what the scripture says that before judas did it before satan had entered into his heart jesus already knew and yet jesus is offering him an invitation and a seat at the table Before that, he washes his feet. I I, I don't understand that kind of love. And John asked him, he said this, who who was it? And Jesus answered, it's the one in whom I give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And and as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. In that very moment, he made up his mind, I'm going to betray Jesus. Friends, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. But you see, to fully understand, you have to understand that Judas never fully understood who Jesus was and why he really came. See, Judas believed Jesus to be the Messiah, the one that was going to turn things around, that he that he was gonna have a kingdom. He was going to have a kingdom. He was going to sit on the throne of his father, David. Finally, that covenant promise was going to come true. And Jesus was going to be the fulfillment of that promise. And he wanted a seat and a position at the king's table. The problem was, is that the king wasn't doing what Judas thought he should do. Every time the crowds came after a miracle and wanted to elevate Jesus to be king, Jesus, no, it's not my time yet. Every time there was an opportunity for Jesus to demonstrate his power, instead he humbled himself as a servant or he drew away. And now here is Jesus talking about being arrested and talking about being killed and I didn't sign up for this. And he says, you know what? This isn't going my way. This isn't going my way. And, and, and he kind of fell out of belief. Somewhere along the line, Judas stopped believing in Jesus. And rather than question as Thomas did, rather than than say like Peter, no, no, you're not going to suffer. This isn't going to happen to you. He stayed silent. And silently, he allowed his heart to become hard. And it's here, in this moment, that Judas was so distraught after the arrest of Jesus. And what you may not know is I think he thought, By selling Jesus out, that Jesus would say, You know what? I don't have any choice. I have to show myself as king. I have to demonstrate my power. And instead, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, death on a cross. And Judas, so distraught, went out and hung himself. Where was the grace in that? Where's the grace in that moment? Judas was invited. To the table, and may I suggest that the very grace was the moment that Jesus handed him the bread that was dipped in the oil. You see, the oil was was an oil that had herbs in it, and it was the very oil that oftentimes the lamb that was prepared for the Passover lamb had been cooked in. So it would have been oil and herbs mixed in blood. And Jesus was offering him something that was very intimate, his body and his blood in that moment, offering it to him as a seat at the table. But Judas refused because rather than the position of a servant and the position of a disciple of Jesus, instead Judas desired a position in in the king's table. Judas wanted a different position, a position of power. Judas wanted a different position, a position of, uh, uh, of money, a place of position and power. And what Jesus was offering him was a different lesson. Listen, money is not going to satisfy you. Power is not going to get you what you want. I'm offering you something better. You see, Peter and Judas were both at the table. Both of them failed. Peter denied knowing the Lord. Judas betrayed him. There was grace for both, but only one accepted his seat at the table. Only one accepted the grace and the forgiveness that was offered. One allowed his heart to become hardened because he wanted a different type of position in place. While another said, you know what, oh, I failed, but I'm going to take my position and I'm going to allow you to forgive me and restore me. Friends, bread is still offered for you. The blood of Jesus has been poured out for you. Jesus is offering you a seat at the table. He knows everything that you have ever done, and he loves you anyway. And he invites you to take your seat at the table. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come, and in a few minutes, we're gonna take our elements of communion. But I wanna ask you these questions today as we reflect Which one of these four do you most identify with? Are you the one that Jesus loves, that you love Jesus? And today, for you, communion represents just leaning in and being close. Leaning into his presence. Leaning in to receive his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness today. Maybe you have questions. Maybe like Thomas, you have questions, you have doubts Certain expectations didn't meet, and so you've been wrestling with your faith. I want to say to you, Jesus invites you today to take your seat at the table because it's in the presence of Jesus that you will receive the revelation and the answers to your questions. It's in the presence of Jesus there's a seat at the table for you. Maybe like Peter and Judas, maybe you failed. Maybe like Peter, you failed. You struggle with guilt, you struggle with shame. You struggle with fear. And Jesus says, I offer you forgiveness today. There's a seat at the table for you. There's a seat at the table for you. I want to bring restoration so that when you see these elements, you remember what I provided for you. Friends, unlike Judas, don't harden your heart today. There's a seat at the table for you. Don't harden your heart today. Let Jesus come and welcome you to the table. Let's bow our heads today. Friends, maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never received the forgiveness and grace that Jesus offers you. Maybe you've struggled with questions and doubts, but today you hear Jesus' invitation. You hear him inviting you. You hear him saying, will you let me forgive you? Will you allow me to take away your shame? Will you allow me to take away your guilt? Will you confess your sin? Will you come and will you allow me to forgive you today and restore you today? Will you take your seat? at the table. If that's you, whether you are doing this for the first time, or maybe you walked away and you want to recommit your life to the Lord, and you hear His invitation, and you say, yes, I want to take my seat at the table with Jesus, will you slip up your hand today? I want to pray with you. I want to receive forgiveness. If you're watching online, will you let us know, come on, I want to, I want to receive today. I want to take that invitation. I receive that invitation to receive His forgiveness and grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Will you just pray with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you today that you love me first. With all of my questions, with all of my failure, all of my sin, all of my shame, all of my guilt, all of my poor decisions, But you love me anyway. Today, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. Take away my shame. Take away my guilt. Forgive me of my sin. Come and live in me. I want to take my place at your table today. I say yes to your invitation today. Come and live in me. Thank you, restore restoration. Thank you for restoration, for healing, for forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we just stand today? Hallelujah. I want to take the elements of communion as you're standing today, and if you're watching online today, grab those elements. I want to Do this, and then we're going to spend some time in worship. For I received from the Lord, which also I passed on to you, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank You for Your broken body. You are the bread of life. And at Your table, You invite us, Lord, to break bread with You, the bread of presence. Thank You for the wholeness and the healing that You provide. Thank you for your broken body today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive together. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Secondly, today, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then there's this line, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, we know that it's the blood of Jesus, like the lamb blood over the doorpost, that atones for our sin once and for all. It's his blood in which we find forgiveness, in which we find grace, in which we find a substitute for the wrath that we deserved. But we also know that there's hope. Proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. How many you know Jesus is coming again? He's coming again. And one day, for those of us that have said yes to Jesus here, we're going to be invited to another table, the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. So let's remember the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness, for your blood. We just pray, Lord, your blessing over the cup today. We remember your sacrifice. We remember your blood. We remember our forgiveness is found in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing today. And if you need prayer today, our team, our pastoral team and prayer warriors are gonna be down here to pray with you today. If you need prayer for something, maybe you just wanna lean in, maybe you wanna come in, maybe you have questions or maybe you got fears or guilt or shame, will you just come and just allow Jesus to work in your life today as we close? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.